All right, it is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. Tonight we're going to be talking draft strategy, under and overvalued players on July 28th, 2021. Groove, Dave. I hate to interrupt it, but I must introduce myself and you. Cheers. We have a whole, we have a whole season's worth of podcasts to do. So this is just starting us off. So you're gonna give us a whole season's worth of uh, rock and tunes? Yeah. This this music is brought to you by by me, but it's just the first of, of many that hopefully get better as we go. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, I am, of course, Jason Evans, joined as always by David Biggs. Dave, it's a pleasure to uh, once again be in your studio. Uh, even if it is adorned with a little too much Steelers gear, that's okay. Uh, we are the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast from Drink 5, and uh, we're here for some more preseason talk tonight. We're going to talk about um, some overvalued, some undervalued players, going to talk about a few teams that we're sort of enamored with at the moment, uh, or at least looking forward to watching if we're not entirely enamored with them. And, um, you know, we'll touch on some other things. Remember uh, to follow us on YouTube. Um, Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on, I don't know, where you follow and where you subscribe. I don't know the differences. Dave, you want to help me out here? I think you I think you follow us on uh, Twitter. This guy's this guy's. And you follow old. us on Facebook. <laughs> and you subscribe to us on YouTube. Well, if you look for Drink5 on Twitter, Instagram, uh, uh, YouTube, Facebook, you can find us in all those places. And uh, Jason might not subscribe to us, but you can uh, I subscribe even if I don't use it. During the regular, gotta se- pump those numbers up. During the regular season, we're gonna have articles out every week. Uh, I do rankings for fantasy pros uh, and for all of our subscribers. And in fact, if you come to our website, you can see those rankings specifically. Of course, on fantasy pros, uh, you, when, can com- you can uh, you can only compare, them. aggregate it to, yeah. with other pl- uh, professionals. Yeah, I think you professionals. Have to, you have to include like uh, two or more of them if you're doing the. Rankings. I believe that's right, and we'll have fun stuff to read every week. We'll have informative stuff to read every week. Um, we'll have predictions every week. We'll have a podcast every week. So check it out. And and Jason and I have already done two dynasty uh, rookie free agent drafts so far this season. Uh, but approaching us now, yeah, those are fun. Are the redraft leagues? Yeah. So it's time to shift gears into redraft mode. Uh, I think that we're all set for dynasty this year. So tonight we're going to be talking about everything in context of uh, redraft. And um, remember, if you are listening to us live, go to the chat room on YouTube. You can ask us questions. Uh, if you have questions about um, where you think that guys should go in a draft. Uh, if you want to know our outlook on certain players for the year, please uh, you know, feel free to ask questions, and we will do our best to get to those in a timely fashion. If you are listening to us after the live broadcast, you can always drop us a line, uh, tweet us at Drink5, email us jason at Drink5 or dave at drink5.com. We'll uh, get to those questions uh, on the show, whether it's you in person, or, you know, electronically, whatever it may be. Uh, so tonight we are drinking this fine milk stout. It's the original Neapolitan milk stout from Saugatuck Brewing Company. Um, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting there quickly. What are you drinking? What are you finishing there? Uh, well, this was a Ninja versus Unicorn by Pipeworks uh, from Chicago. Oh, that's a fantastic beer. Which, 
is a great beer. It's a double IPA. But even if it's not a great beer, I've had a couple that weren't super great. Pipeworks has some of the best artwork I've ever seen on beers. So I agree. They'll hit you with a one-two punch or at least a one or a two. <laughs> All right. So uh, to start out, I just want to... Uh... We want to talk about a couple of teams that we like that we're looking forward to watching this year. My team that I uh, sort of researched all day was the Cincinnati Bengals. So they were my favorite team growing up because I loved the helmets. I grew up in Chicago, was not much of a Bears fan. So, you know, I picked the team with the cool helmet because that's what you do when you're eight (laughs) years old. Um, That's how you gravitate to a team. I didn't know anybody on the team. I didn't know anything about the Bengals. But, you know, they kind of stuck out in my head. So, um, first and foremost, we must bid adieu to one of our favorite players here at Drink 5. Uh, Giovanni Bernard is uh, going south uh, to try and win a ring. Good for him. He deserves it. Um, he's going to uh, be playing with Tom Brady. I think that he's going to catch a shitload of passes from Tom Brady this year. Uh, just because that's what Tom Brady loves to do is dump the ball off. And, um, you know, the Bruce Arians offense is going to be good for it. Giovanni's a great fit for that. Um, I'm sure that we'll get to him later in the preseason. Um, so what we're left with on the Bengals is Mr. Joe Mixon. So he's going to dominate the backfield in a way that I think very few running backs get to do these days. I think that he could easily finish in the top five of touches uh, for the entire league. Just because they've got Samaje Pirine behind him. And that's it. Yeah, so I, I have Mixon on a dynasty squad, right? And I just traded for him. Now, before, you couldn't have caught me dead with Mixon because the way the Bengals were set up with the coaching, with the quarterback, with the offense, it, it just didn't seem like it was working out for him. Uh, when you take uh, a side that I think he had a, a really good first year, yes. uh, it, look up the stats. But um, I totally agree with you that this seems to be the do-or-die for Mixon. And honestly, for the Bengals in general – because they should be able to, to take off with a running start here. And and I have to agree with you, though I must say that J- Jason does have a habit of picking uh, and rooting for some teams that are un- are underachievers. <laughs> but I think the Bengals I'd like are, to watch the underachievers turn it around. I think they're heading in a good direction. Yes, they have essentially completed their rebuild, and now it is time for them to take all of those parts and make something you know greater than the sum of the parts, if you will. You know, to, to put wins together out of all of these high draft picks that they've had in the last few years, out of, you know, a first-round draft pick, in, or first overall pick in Joe Burrow. So he was the 2020 number one overall pick. He tore his ACL after 10 games last year. So um, he's returned from injury. He's going to be healthy this year, uh, going into the year anyways. And uh, he's got lots of receiving talent to work with. So last year, he had 10 starts. Five of those starts went for over 300 passing yards, and none of his starts did he throw more than one interception. He had a 13-5 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, and that's pretty respectable for a rookie starter in the NFL. He scored three more touchdowns on the ground, gives him a little bit more of a bump to his fantasy value. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second year is where you see quarterbacks really uh, take off. If they're, you know, Lots of quarterbacks can play well as a rookie because – Nobody has any tape on them. Nobody knows what they're going to do. And they're going to be more willing to run the ball a little bit uh, just to sort of bump up their value and, you know, keep them in the game. But in the second year is where these guys need to really develop all of their targets, develop a good rapport with all of their receivers. So you'll see this year, if Joe Burrow can do all that, then he really will be the franchise quarterback for the Bengals. And if he can't do that, they'd probably only give him maybe one 
to one and a half more years uh, of uh, you know trying to make it work before uh, moving on from him. So I think that this is the year that Joe Burrow can take a large step forward and show that he will be a franchise quarterback. Uh, I'm really excited to see what uh, we get from him. I've got him in a dynasty league. Um, I'll probably be drafting him or or at least targeting him in uh, two quarterback redraft leagues, of which I'm in uh, two of those types of leagues this year. Um, So one of the things, we talked about Mixon in the ground game, and that's going to be all fine and good. But one of the things that's really great about this team is that they have a great uh, receiving core now. So Tyler Boyd is now the veteran in his sixth year, which I guess is kind of a veteran thing. I was thinking he was only in like his fourth year when I started looking it up. No, he's always been just around behind AJ Green. Yeah, you know, over the past uh, several years. Yeah, so he's the you know he's the 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 senior citizen there. That means we're getting older if we're like Tyler Boyd wasn't he a rookie? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, so he's gone over seventy five catches each of the last three seasons. I expect him to clear eighty easily if him and Burrow play all sixteen. Excuse me, play all 17 games. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, 80 is not going to be the target anymore. It's going to have to, we're going to have to bump that to 85. All the stats are going to be thrown off this year when we talk about overall global stats. We have to add 116th to everything. We either have to, uh, <laughs> like, like remove something from the, from the median uh, score of a player, or we have to go back and extrapolate what everyone else would have gotten from 17 games in order to compare, uh, you know, seasonal performances. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Yep. Uh, so, also on the Bengals, they have last year's rookie sensation, uh, who was not quite as sensational as uh, Mr. Jefferson over in Minnesota, but T. Higgins was awesome. He led the team in both touchdowns and receiving large yards last year. Uh, Higgins appeared in all 16 games, but he didn't do anything in the first and last games of the year. So, call it 14 games that he really played in last year. Averaged 4.7 receptions per game, 13.5 yards per catch, which means he is more of the deep target uh, certainly more so than uh, Tyler Boyd. So I like Higgins to kind of go over the top and Boyd to be the receiving the possession receiver. And then you've got their first-round pick this year, Jamar Chase. So um, Jamar Chase is a rookie wide receiver out of LSU. In 2019, he won the Bolitnikoff Award, which is the award given in college to the best wide receiver in all of college football. In 2019, his quarterback was Joe Burrow. So I love when they can kind of reunite these sort of, uh, you know, dynamic duos, if you will. And uh, I think that Jamar Chase is going to have a really good rapport with Joe Burrow. I think that Joe Burrow has already developed a good rapport with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Um, I think there's already a, a sort of viral video out of practice of, you know, Jamar Chase catching one handed passes, stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to seeing three really good, uh, well-defined um, wide receivers. They're not like three guys that kind of all do the same thing. They all have their own role. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing what they're able to do with that. Couple that with a strong running game. Um, you're going to have a balanced offense out of the Bengals. Uh, they have some moderate improvements on the line. That's what they needed them, you know, maybe the most. Um, the biggest problem. They're sitting in the AFC North. Exactly. You read my mind. <laughs> yeah. So as an AFC North expert, Dave, um, you've got the Steelers and the Ravens, who are traditionally the powerhouse. Which of those two teams do you think will do better this year, the Steelers and the Ravens? Uh, that's that's a difficult and question. And are you willing to concede that the Browns are the best team in the division right now? Well, I don't want to prognosticate too much just on uh, NFL 
uh, goings on, right? As we, I like to prefer to stay more in the fantasy realm. But I gotcha. I, I will say, being a Steelers fan uh, and watching them over the past couple of years, specifically last year, the Steelers defense is still very good. Okay. The Ravens defense is still very good, yeah. and the Cleveland Browns really stepped it up. So yeah. uh, anyone who's in their division that's going to have to play them each twice uh, is definitely going to suffer a little bit in the win-loss record uh, from, from going up against those teams. As far as uh, who's going to be harder to play against, I feel like uh, the Steelers' defense is still going to be a little bit better than the Ravens, but the Ravens can run the ball against anybody. And oh, yeah. It's, it's too hard to defend against them. They have too many options. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see if the Bengals, who are really improving, like you're saying, uh, are going to be able to beat their division rivals in a way that they haven't in years and years. Right, and I'm looking forward to them sort of clawing their way out of the basement of the AFC North and uh, finding a way to win games. I mean, yeah. this is what I like to see: is teams that can um, create a plan, rebuild their roster, and put that plan in motion and actually execute it correctly. Put it in motion. I'm really looking forward to seeing the Bengals this year. They have great uniforms. You know, thumbs up with that. He still likes the helmets. I, you know, they're great helmets. <laughs> it's 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 like a tiger stripe. It's awesome. It is cool. I fucking love it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so I, I love the offensive talent. There's a lot of uh, stuff to look forward on this team as far as fantasy players go. So uh, I'm really happy about that. So let's see this team rebuild work out. It's not like it's going to happen overnight, but, um, you know, show me Joe Burrow as a top 10 quarterback this year, and uh, I, I think that they have a very bright future indeed. So uh, you got a team you want to kind of gush about there, Dave? Yeah, so I, I like a lot of teams in the NFL. One that I'm particularly interested in this year is the Rams, and there's a lot of reasons why I'm interested in them. There's also some things that just happened recently that are interesting developments for them. Certainly. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the same kind of uh, thing, the, the major play that they made in this, uh, this uh, offseason, uh, which is to trade Jared Goff in two firsts and a third for Matthew Stafford. That may be the largest move in the offseason. So, uh, big trade, bring Stafford over from the Detroit Lions. Uh, I know a lot of Detroit Lions fans that are huge fans of Stafford, um, and they, they tend to agree that it's not Stafford's fault that you know the Lions were never really a, a very successful team, even with Calvin Johnson on them, to any major degree over a number of years. You're right. I mean, Stafford is a guy who like sort of led the league, like famously just was amazing at comebacks, and it's mostly because his team was always giving up points and was always losing. But he, you know, the the, 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 the Lions failed despite all of Matt Stafford's talent and excellent play. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about uh, quarterbacks that brought the team back from behind to win games, he's up there in the discussion of the top three of all time. Uh, statistically and especially on tape, you know, you can just see the wheels turning when he wins those games versus teams that are better than him. Yeah. And he's a great quarterback. And then I think that is, it remains to be seen if that can translate to uh, to to actual uh, trophies. But uh, I think it's going to be very good for the offense of this particular team. Uh, they also traded two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and Jalen Ramsey is arguably the NFL's best cornerback. They essentially have taken all of their first-round picks for years now and just use it to acquire 
known commodities rather than drafting guys. Right. And most of their first-round picks have been low in the first round because they've made the playoffs most years. They uh, they hired Raheem Morris as a defensive coordinator, which I think is a good move. Uh, and the funny thing is uh, uh, his first preseason game is, is the Rams' defensive coordinator is going to be against the Chargers, which is the, the team that, that uh, he uh, <laughs> He was the from. interim coach. Oh, no, the he was the coach of the Falcons. Um, That's right. Oh no, you're correct. It's yeah. uh, it's uh, it's Staley that that uh, went to the Chargers, and uh, and and Brandon Staley just got out of there. But now, uh, Brandon Staley, who was the the defensive coordinator, um, uh, went to be the head coach of the LA Chargers, and now the Rams are going to play the Chargers. In right, the first game. that's what it is. Yes. So it's this matchup that's very interesting. That was kind of you know, it's funny how like it seems that anybody who has any sort of you know, dinner arrangements with uh, with Sean McVay got a head coaching job. Um, even the defensive guys, <laughs> it, they didn't have to be offensive, it, even defensive. Yeah. And that connection goes with the team we just talked about, the Bengals. Their coach was uh, an offensive coordinator beneath McVay, you know, before last year. When, when we talk about the Rams, let's talk about uh, their wide receivers that they have out there. And they have Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Deshaun Jackson. They also have Van Jefferson, who was uh, um, just recently last uh, year's uh, draft pick, right? Right, and and this is a guy who uh, who's an outside guy that excels uh, in those long passes, which are going to be much more available, I think, with Matthew Stafford than Jared Goff. The problem with him is just that Deshaun Jackson is still on the team, right? Am I crazy to think that Deshaun Jackson could be good in this offense? Yeah, I think that uh, you're crazy to think that he can be good for the whole year. <laughs> that's he could be that's awesome. A good point. He could be awesome for like five games. Yeah, but I feel like Van I think Jefferson, Matt Stafford is going to have a really good time throwing to a guy. Has he ever had a speedster <laughs> like Deshaun Jackson? I mean, um, maybe throughout the years of the Lions, but they make poor choices. That's just like their mo as an organization. Uh, yeah, but I'm true. most excited about Robert Woods. To be honest with you, I mean. Uh, I feel like Robert Woods uh, was a guy who was just on the cusp of being someone who could even be, you know, borderline wide receiver one. And now with Matt Stafford instead of Jared Goff, maybe they'll game plan to be able to to get him to be an actual uh, solid WR1 guy. And I don't know if we included him in our undervalued picks, but I do think that Robert Woods could easily end up uh, in the top 15 wide receivers this year uh, with, with this particular uh, quarterback and offense. The other guy I wanted to talk about was uh, was Tyler Higby. So uh, Gerald Everett, who was splitting touches with Tyler Higby on the Rams, I think oh. he, he went to Seattle. We we missed one of the receivers. Um, their their um, Tutu Atwell is on the COVID list right now. Oh, that's but a- yeah, he's. You know he's like young Deshaun Jackson. We talked about him in the last episode. So well, they have they have a couple guys now that are that are like you know deep receivers. Yeah. So. It, unlike most times of the year, our episode from a month ago, lots of good information that is still very relevant. So please feel free to go back and listen to that one as well. Uh, we talked about lots of different teams that we thought were um, you know very interesting coming up. 
but they made lots of changes. But I like uh, I like Tyler Higby, uh, who is another guy who I feel like is kind of undervalued because of his performance last year. Um, he is the tight end 16 uh, in the previous season, but because him and Everett were splitting um, uh, splitting snaps, and because uh, Everett has recently gone to the Seahawks to go hang out with Russell Wilson, right? Uh, it's really only Higby's game right now. I believe so. I'm not going to quote this correctly, but let's say that um, you know that that I'm not. And I didn't hear it wrong. Games were Everett did not play. Higby was just a stud almost every time. It's when he was scoring touchdowns. It's when he was getting multiple catches per game. So the fact that Higby is all on his own this year, I think uh, that could be another undervalued player. That's what I, that's what I just said, yes. Uh, uh, Stafford gave Hawkinson 101 targets last year. A lot of that has to do with the offense and the fact that Hawkinson is an extremely good tight end that comes from the school of, you know, University of Iowa. Yeah, he's a Hawkeye. Uh, but... But Higby has shown that he uh, is is very talented as well, and I think Stafford uh, will definitely be leaning on him in this offense. Um, I think that uh, uh, I think that it, it's going to be really good news for all the wide receivers, and the reason is mostly because of Cam Akers, who uh, is now you know no longer going to be playing for this particular season. Uh, he ended up going down with a torn Achilles tendon, which is among the worst injuries you can have as a running back. Uh, and that leaves uh, uh, Darrell Henderson, or is it Daryl? Sure. One of them. Uh, as the primary Mr. running Henderson. back, uh, among a, a sea of other possible running backs there. But what this really means is that they're going to be focusing, I think, a little bit more even than they already were on the passing game. And Stafford is the guy to do that. So the reason, basically, Jason, that I'm high on the Rams in general and I'm interested in following them is because I think Stafford finally has a team where he has a good defense and he has good uh, receiver options and he has a good coach. Uh, and I think that they have the materials there uh, to be a team that's actually good. Not the Rams that made the Super Bowl. They were not actually good. <laughs> they only scored three points in the Super Bowl. They were not that good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to see what Matt Stafford can do uh, with this offense, with this team, to see what Sean McVay can do when he's got a, a better quarterback than what he had. Jared Goff is a good quarterback, but Matt Stafford, um, if he wasn't on the Lions for the last 10 years or whatever, would be known as one of the best quarterbacks in the league right so i specifically want to watch matt stafford and robert woods and tyler higby as guys that could end up being uh you know this uh they could uh, all wind up in top 10 at their position exactly and 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 we're not even talking about cooper cup who could clearly you know be a ppr stud again as he was uh when uh when jared goff was first there i'm thinking like wes welker with peyton manning style or well, Wes Welker with... I wouldn't compare Stafford to Manning just yet. No, anything. no, I'm just saying the production <laughs> from that single player. Yeah, so if, if the fact that they don't Stafford's have... Stafford's not going to make that much production out of four players, but... But because they don't have Akers and they still have a, a good offensive line, I feel like the passing game is going to do a lot better than people think right now. And as we approach uh, when you're actually drafting uh, redraft teams, I think the ADP of these guys is all going to go up. So... Uh, take the advantage now uh, to to tell your league how horrible these guys are. Yeah, right now Robert Woods is, <laughs> would technically qualify as one of our undervalued players. Exactly. Because uh, his ADP is 47, but his ranking is 40. Yep, exactly my point. So let's dive into some of those undervalued players at the moment. Um, what we're looking at is, you know, 
this was our criteria, and I wouldn't say that we stuck to it like it was gospel, but what we were looking at is if they're in the first four rounds, we want to move these players at least five spots. And if they're in round five or later, we want to move them at least ten spots. So move them up or down at least one whole round. Um, so as far as undervalued players go, the first one I looked at is a guy we already mentioned. Uh, it's Joe Mixon. So his current ADP is 19 overall. He's the 13th running back off the board. Um, so I, I think he's going to be near the top of the league as far as touches go. Uh, because he's got nobody worth mentioning to split with. So I would take him before Aaron Jones, who's the running back 9, before Austin Eckler, who's the running back 10, because both of those guys are going to wind up splitting work with other people on their team. With all the Aaron Rodgers announcements that have just come out in their organization being... That literally all happened after, like, this evening, so... <laughs> Maybe you would consider them uh, on a similar level, mixing in? I, yeah, yeah. I, Aaron Jones, I, I would... I would give a little bit more. If it was Jordan Love to, out there, then Aaron Jones or uh, Aaron, Aaron Jones, Jones loses a lot of value. Yeah, but who's the who's the second guy there? Um, they used him a decent amount at the end of the year last year. AJ Dillon. Yeah, yeah, I, and I assume that as they always have with Jamal Williams yeah. subbing in for people, they're going to keep doing that in Green Bay. Yeah, because Williams is now gone and actually on Detroit. Uh, you're gonna see uh, you're gonna see Dylan taking up a lot of that uh, volume as and well. And then in uh, San Diego, not San Diego, in on the Chargers, uh, you've got um, Justin Jackson. Jackson, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like like I'm saying, I would probably want Joe Mixon above these guys. And and when you're drafting in this round, it's not like you can wait a whole nother round to pick these guys. So if you like the guy, you have to take him in the second round. So you, you talked earlier about Joe Mixon, you know, finally stepping up to play his game uh, that he hasn't in a while. He has the organization and the offensive line and everything behind him. But what would you say to those people that say, you know, I, I try with him every single year. Why would this year be different? Is it really just such an organizational change that he's going to be the guy three downs, Every single every single snap. So this year it's different because he has the best quarterback and receivers that he's played with so far to take attention away from him. He's probably not going to face a lot of eight men in the box at all. There's probably not going to be a lot of run uh, run first defenses uh, that he's facing. So I, I see, you know, plenty of and he's going to be in for three downs this year. It's not going to be coming out so that Giovanni Bernard can play on third down. So there's no AJ Green, but the other receivers on the team are uh, have proved themselves good enough, and with the addition of Jamar Chase, that they're all uh, uh, taking the organization to a higher level than it was before. Because AJ Green was pretty much the only guy there with a little bit of Tyler Boyd. Exactly, you've got way more talent than they've had for years. Yeah. Okay. At wide receiver there. Uh, who do you got? So I want to talk about DJ Chark Jr. Uh, his current ADP is 83 overall. That's wide receiver 33 currently going in half PPR leagues. He's 6'4", uh, same same height as me, okay. but uh, but he's a football player. <laughs> uh, he actually was 198 pounds uh, this past season. So you mean you're not going to be bragging when you gain 10 pounds? No. Okay. He was 198 pounds last year, <laughs> but he gained 10 pounds of muscle in the offseason to weigh in at 210 at training camp. He's a fourth-year wide receiver who didn't play all that much his rookie year in 2018, uh, so he he didn't have enough stats to really talk about there. But he blasted off in 2019 to put up over 1,000 yards on 73 receptions and eight touchdowns. 
His numbers faltered in 2020, but that was the year of both COVID and the quarterback carousel in Jacksonville, neither yeah. of which, you know, helped anything there. There were there were injuries. There was craziness happening. There was the year of Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is one of the greatest mascots to have on your team. <laughs> Maybe not the best starting quarterback. Mascot. I like him as a backup quarterback. You know, I, who else do you want to carry your uh, clipboard and give you facial hair tips? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but but even though uh, Chark didn't do that well in 2020, talking about the numbers specifically, uh, he still managed 53 receptions for 706 yards and five touchdowns. And if you look at his red zone percentages, uh, he actually did very well down in the paint. Uh, and that's what's very important for a receiver like him who's a big receiver. So it shows they still count on him regardless of who is under center. Trevor Lawrence now, as the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, was one of the best deep ball throwers in all of college football, uh, not only this past couple of years, but for a long time. Uh, they, they look at him as a generational talent. And that should help Chark's numbers increase this season closer to his 2019 finish, which was WR16. Yeah. So that's about twice as good as his ADP currently is. Now, I'll grab him around earlier because then I can get him. But if I'm looking at where I rank Chark, uh, and you can see my rankings at Fantasy Pros, uh, they'll be up at Drink 5 soon. Uh, I have Chark currently uh, as the number 27 wide receiver overall in between Odell Beckham Jr. and Cortland Sutton. And overall, uh, I'm sorry. So they would as, definitely bump him around. As a wide receiver. So and you're I, thinking like... I have him overall at number 64 instead of 83. Oh, um, yeah, that's yeah, that's 7 instead of 9. So where he's ranked, you know, you need to put in a grain of salt. But I'm just saying, wherever the ADP is, if you can grab a guy, uh, like we were talking, five or six different slots above where he's going, uh -huh. uh, you can probably get him. If you get him around above, you can absolutely get him. Uh, and so I'm grabbing Chark right now a little bit early. Okay, so we have a question from the chat room. Uh, going back to the last guy we talked about, um, Troy wants to know, do you like Najee Harris or Joe Mixon? You mean, you mean which one is better? Like, I guess, who would you draft? Because in the uh -huh. ADP, they are literally uh, 12 and 13. Sure. So And running back. So I actually agree with, with that. And in my rankings specifically, I have Najee Harris as 12 and Joe as 13. And so I would draft Najee Harris. And the reason is because Pittsburgh Steelers running backs will run all the time unless they get injured. Yeah, I mean, and they don't... Who... Is there anybody there still? Oh is, sure. Uh, I mean, uh, what's I mean, his face is still there, right? They, who? I, I'm I'm in preseason form, folks. I apologize. Well, the Steelers have uh, a number. I've of... I've forgotten the name of the Steelers starting running back. They have a number of running backs, but you're talking about James Conner. He was traded yes. to the Cardinals. Okay. Uh, so now over in the Cardinals is Chase Edmonds and James Conner. Uh, this is also why we do these podcasts to familiarize ourselves with the changes. <laughs> yes, it uh, is. But what you see over there now is uh, Benny and uh, a couple other guys that that are really have not proved themselves. Yeah, definitely the, not. The only guy there, much like the Bengals, uh, is Najee Harris. But the reason that I would take Harris over uh, over Mixon only by a little bit too yeah. is that there is there's simply a uh, there's a, a generational uh, philosophical uh, uh, thought that I've seen as a Steelers fan over the years where this guy gets everything I and you know they're right next to each other but frankly because I see Joe Mixon as a guy who is headed for 300 plus touches I would go with Mixon because that's what you you want the opportunity I get that's it. what you try to draft that's for. why they're so close so yeah 
Hey, but but I think uh, you so should... So maybe we can place a bet uh, of, well, you know, Harris versus Mixon at some point. Well, you should always think, too, that, like, when you when you involve a rookie in one of these discussions, yeah. that the rookie you have to temper your expectations on. And so um, Mixon has already proved himself. He's able to receive from the backfield. He's able to uh, to take the, the brunt of all of those guys coming at him from the, from the opposite line. Um, I have no problem with someone taking Mixon over Harris. Uh, I simply have them right next to each other. But but Troy, it's a good question. One that I have to say, Harris. But but I must also tell you that my rankings are subject to change. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what training camp brings. All right. Um, our next undervalued guy. Uh, I'm looking at Kyle Pitts. So current ADP is 50 overall. He's the fourth tight end coming off the board. Um, so I I just look at the tight end position as being so thin and. Pitts can really wind up being once-in-a-generation kind of talent. He was drafted higher, I think, than almost any uh, tight end has ever been drafted. Is that right? Um, I don't I don't know the exact numbers on that, but I don't see why he should be picked at the end of the fifth round. I think so. When uh, Darren Waller and George Kittle are both being drafted in the middle of the third round. I would bump Pitts up one whole round in value, uh, meaning you know if he's there at the end of the fourth round, uh, and you're eyeing a team that needs a strong tight end, I would go ahead and take Pitts then. I would not wait until the end of the fifth round because he will not be there. His ADP is going to continue to rise, in my opinion. Um, and I know he's a rookie, but uh, this is a... Where is he at? So he's ranked 59, and he's being drafted at 50. So... In my opinion, he's overvalued. In the experts' opinion, he is not overvalued uh, because he is being drafted higher than the experts say he should. But, you know, this is just one man's opinion. Yeah, I have him at 47 overall, uh, number four tight end. So you're in, you know, you're in my neighborhood with this at least, I in think. Your, in your neighborhood, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the other thing to consider with this is that this is the same offense still on the Falcons, aside from Julio Jones not being there, that made Austin Hooper a boatload of money. That was the offense that uh, focuses everything on tight ends. They just happened to have a tight end last year that doesn't know how to catch the ball. Right. And that is a problem when uh, you need a receiving tight end. So Kyle Pitts is a guy who can catch the ball, and they won't have any questions as to whether or not he can catch the ball. They're going to throw him the ball a lot. So I think that you know he could even compete with Calvin Ridley for uh, the top receiving numbers on the team. So uh, ADP of 50 is way too low uh, for Kyle Pitts, in my opinion, just because of the, you know, because of how good that position performs on the Falcons and because of the thinness of the position overall as far as fantasy goes. So I'm looking forward to seeing Kyle Pitts play. Um, There isn't a whole lot to look forward to this year on the Falcons. (laughs) You know, they've got Mike Davis at running back. Uh, so I think that you're going to see a lot of Kyle Pitts early and often. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I, I again, uh, tend to stray away, especially with tight ends, uh, for, for picking somebody that strong for your number one guy because tight ends generally take a couple of years to situate themselves in the NFL's offense. Uh, but Pitts has all of this um, uh, gravitas yeah. Uh, coming into uh, to the NFL, and I have no reason to think that he wouldn't just be amazing coming in. Well, his ceiling is like Travis Kelsey level, yeah. which is a first-round pick, basically. 
Um, well, how long did Travis Kelsey take to get uh, to uh, become Travis Kelsey? If we if we grab uh, a little bit of that, well, obviously things were a little different back well, then. Well, we're talking about first of all, if we're talking about a dynasty league, then Pitts is you know certainly like a guy you need to grab and hold on to your team. So Kelsey didn't play his first season. In his second season, sixty-seven catches, five touchdowns, eight hundred sixty-two yards. Okay. It wasn't until his third active season that he started going above a thousand and eighty catches for every. So that seems more like a traditional route to being played as a tight end, right? And, and we know that Pitts is going to be played a lot in his first season. So maybe things are just getting a little bit more. Yeah, I don't think they're going to hesitate to sort of bring him in yeah. a lot quicker because Travis Kelsey was a third-round pick. So he doesn't have the sort of pedigree that Kyle Pitts had. You're just a braver man than I, right? Because I would put, I would draft Pitts as a tight end, except that where I would draft him, everyone else would already have taken him because I would prefer him as a top 10 tight end, not as a top five tight end. But that's just where I see him based on rookies, uh, you know, in previous years. I totally agree with you that this is an upside play. And so you're looking at his upside. This is, uh, let's see, Falcons offensive coordinator um oh they do have a new guy this year but but we'll see i i, I happen to agree that, that he definitely could reach those those numbers that we're looking at to be tight end four that's why i have him ranked as tight end four so good work there sterling shepherd is the next guy i have to talk about current adp of 193 overall 193 that's the 20th round yeah that's i mean are you drafting that <laughs> That deep, anyways. Well, you are in a lot of leagues, but uh, not necessarily in the in, in the little baby leagues, right? Uh, wide receiver, sixty six. Uh, and so, if I look at where I have him, let's just uh, take a glance. I have him as wide receiver sixty two, um, but but overall, he's at one forty six, which is the fifteenth round. So that's five rounds above where he's actually being So essentially this is like a strong flyer at the end of the draft. Yeah, well, Shepard finished as the the WR50. Now let's compare this to where he's currently in there. Yeah. As a 66 in in 2019 and the WR46 in 2020. One of my favorite stats of any players right now, very interesting. He's currently averaging at least 6 targets in 25 of his past 27 games. That's Talk about consistency, especially in PPR leagues. Like I was saying about Mixon, you draft guys for opportunity. Yeah. So so look at this guy as a guy that the coaches love and trust, and that's awesome. The current word on the street from Dan Dugan from The Athletic is that the rookie Kadarius Toney will be brought along slowly, and that Golden Tate, well, that's this isn't word on the street. He actually is a free agent. He is agent. a free agent now, yeah. So the Giants will use uh, recently acquired Kenny Galladay from the Lions Darius Slayton, who they already had, and Shepard as their starting wide receivers. Yeah, not a, not a bad group. Shepard had career highs in yards uh, per reception, 9.94, and catch rate, 73.3% last season. And those are not going to go unnoticed by the coaches and the organization and the suits uh, that look at the numbers in the back room. If he had played a whole season in 2020 because an injury kept him just to 12 games, his extrapolated points would have made him a wide receiver 2 slash 3. Um so, so keep this in mind. I definitely would take him a couple rounds above his ADP. And if you are nearing the end of your draft and Sterling Shepard has not been taken, there are so many worse people that you could take than Sterling Shepard on your team. Yeah. So I love this guy as an undervalued guy. In a deep league, he's going to be taken, but a little bit lower. In a, in a league that uh, only has 15, 16 rounds, he might not even be taken. 
but I guarantee you he'll be taken from the free agent wire as soon as he plays his first or second game. With a young quarterback like Daniel Jones, a guy who is going to catch the ball at a rate that he hasn't done in his entire career, at the best rate he's ever done, you know, those are the guys that you're going to see continue to get opportunities. Yep. That six targets per game is a really cool stat. So, next on the list, Daryl Henderson. We mentioned him a little bit earlier when Dave was talking about the uh, Rams. Now, this is kind of an example of how to play the game of fantasy football without having to know everything about football. What you need to know is that Cam Akers went out with an injury and that Daryl Henderson is the guy to replace him. Because what happens is, um, in the rankings... You know, he's going to move up, but in the ADP, he doesn't move up so fast. So if you're drafting, say you're doing an online draft, it's going to rank everybody uh, either according to the ADP or according to the rankings for that particular site. So what you need to do is you need to look, make sure you're looking at all these things ahead of time to see what all of your opponents are going to be using as like a sort of guideline. It's a hot tip because because what he's going to tell you about his ADP and uh, his, his current overall uh, is is based on um, what people have been drafting him at over the past you know six weeks or something. Exactly, his ADP is seventy one still, uh, whereas it should be in probably the forties. Well, I'll tell you where I have him. Uh, I have Please him. Do. I have him overall at forty nine. Okay, and I have uh, him uh, as running back twenty two. And here I say he should probably go sometime in the mid to late fourth round right which would be 49 yep. fifth round would be pretty good value for daryl henderson it'll still keep going up a you don't want to wait till the eighth round he's gonna be gone um but at the same time he's a guy that um there's such a big disparity between his ranking and his adp that you need to know that these guys exist out there because it, it's a good chance especially if you're playing in a league with some friends and not necessarily the most competitive league out there, that you're going to find uh, players like this are, are draftable all over the place. So Daryl Henderson, just from the fact that they have Matt Stafford now in an improved offense, uh, you know the offensive genius of the league, yeah. one of the offensive geniuses of the league in Sean McVay. you got to give some credit to the guy uh, up the coast from him. Um, yeah, so identifying those players. Yeah, you got to pick out these guys where there's a huge disparity. Mm-hmm. That's Daryl Henderson. So, um, you know, aim for him if somebody else isn't reaching for him, for sure. Agreed. Also, aim for him if he is sitting in a dunk tank, because that would be funny. Uh, <laughs> no, aim, you got to aim for the target. Don't aim for him. <laughs> well, you could just skip the, the target entirely, I guess. Depends how you feel about the person in the dunk tank. Uh, Derek Carr is my last guy here, so... Uh, granted, in in leagues where you just have one quarterback, which is a lot of them, but super flex leagues are becoming more and more prevalent in the fantasy uh, ecosystem. They're more fun. Uh, and if you have two quarterbacks, then you have a guy like Derek Carr that could be drafted at the back end of QB2s, but is worth more than that. So uh, his current ADP is 154 overall. That's QB24. I have him as QB19. And if we look at the overall ranking, I have him at 128. So if you look at that, that's three rounds higher than uh, being drafted overall from the ADP. The uh, three-year-old, I'm sorry, 30-year-old Raiders quarterback (laughs) is coming off a season where he played all 16 games. And just so everybody knows, talking about a guy who's consistent, he's only missed two games in seven seasons. 
Yeah. He, he's played uh, 16, all of them except for two, and which so, he played 16. So, games. one of those seasons, they were 12 and 3. So, I almost guarantee you the, he sat out the last game going into the playoffs. Yeah, the guy doesn't miss games. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, he also does commercials, uh, music videos, uh, in case anyone's interested. Really? Uh, they're horrible. I uh, would expect no less. <laughs> but last year, in 2020, he put up 4,103 yards and 27 touchdowns with only nine interceptions. He also had three rushing touchdowns. He was actually the QB 13 last year. Can you believe that? I, I mean, I'm surprised to hear that, frankly, because I would not have expected out of him, but, you know. In fact... He's never finished lower than the QB20. When you read me those stats, it makes sense. If you read me those stats and said, who was that? I would not have picked Derek Carr. Who threw the ball to Darren Waller? A whole bunch. That's actually... I want to steal a, a thing that they do on the White Sox broadcast. <laughs> they put up two stat lines, and you have to guess which play... Like, you have to pick a stat line. Well, if you want to steal it, you probably shouldn't lay out You know what you're about to do right now. No, I mean... I, I've... You know, the, the, best, the best people steal. You oh, know. all right. When you find something that's really good... And somebody's already come up with it. Just steal it and give them some credit. But you know, give, go give, ahead and steal it if it's going to work. Give them credit once, but you know, if they don't need to make any money off of it, just take it. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll tweet the I like them your, at the broadcast and make sure it's okay. I like your that? philosophy. Well, we see that a lot. You know, that's not just from the Sox broadcast. It's on Reddit all over the place. You say, "Here's player A. Here's player B. Here's their stat line." Which player would you rather have? And then it ends up being it's like a Hall of Famer and like a nobody and, and a guy <laughs> that that you would never have drafted last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, maybe that's Derek Carr, but he has never finished less than QB twenty in a season. With the Raiders adding John Brown, Willie Sneed, and Kenyon Drake to the mix on offense, all of who are great pass catchers. I'd uh, love to see a healthy John Brown for 16 games. Uh, I mean, they've, they've also got a lot of other catchers over there. Uh, sticking with Carr rather than drafting a rookie quarterback, I, I predict personally that his numbers will land between last year's finish and his ceiling, which was actually QB 10 in 2016. So, talk about a great target for a late-round quarterback selection. Whether you're in a redraft league, he's going to offer very consistent, not not great uh, uh, quarterback numbers. Or if you're in a super flex league, he could be a guy that you get as a QB3 because people are, are edging away from Derek Carr because of his name and because of the Raiders. Yep. And if you're not in Oakland, then it's not likely that people here are going to jump to that. Or Las Vegas. Except for, uh, you know, uh, our, friend, for our friend Tad, who, Tad. who writes for Drink 5. He's going to scoop up Derek Carr right away. Yeah. But... But if you're not in a league with Ted, you can wait on him. <laughs> That's right. But I think that I would target him much earlier. So I, I would target him personally in the 13th round uh, as a late quarterback or if you're in a super flex a little bit earlier, obviously based on how your your league drafts quarterbacks. But think about that. He was a quarterback 10. Uh, he was a quarterback uh, 13 last year. Yeah. He, uh, he had only nine interceptions, 27 touchdowns, over 4,000 yards, and they only added offensive talent. What does that mean? <laughs> that those are all good signs. When you take away the fact that it's the Raiders, then it all sounds very positive. When you put it in the context of the Raiders, it makes you hesitant, right? Nah, because he still hasn't finished less than QB twenty. Like he, he's no matter what happens, he will do better than his ADP. Great, great pull on Derek Carr. Yep. You might uh, not like the guy, but hey, he films a good music video. <laughs> This, that's what this is about, is finding identifying the players that you may not like that are going to be valuable that other players, that other fantasy players don't like either, so you can get good value on them. Um, good pull on Derek Carr there. Uh, well. We have a question going back to the last guy. So McVeigh says that Henderson won't play in the preseason. Do you think this keeps his ADP low, meaning a high number? 
Um, so that's interesting to hear. To me, when I hear that news, I think, okay, that definitely means that Henderson is going to be the main running back there. That improve that that raises his value to me. Yeah, so I agree. And when when someone is healthy but doesn't play in the preseason, it means that they're automatically the RB one. Now, does that what what does that mean for the general public when we talk about people aren't even tracking the fact that you know Cam Akers is out yet? Um, that could help sort of temper the ADP skyrocketing uh, to where we think it should be. But to me and to people who are analyzing it, so in, in a league where you're in with 10 people who are not tacos, you know, that's going to only um, <laughs> increase the value of Daryl Henderson. In a couple of years, you're going to have to explain, like, what the league was and, you know, where that reference came from. Wow, we are. We are, totally are, yeah. <laughs> you may have to this year. I don't know. Uh, how many years ago was the league aired? The I mean, the first episode was probably 10 years ago. Wow. Well, uh, I, I happen to agree. So I think let's find out. Two thousand nine to twenty fifteen. I think we know that Henderson is the number one guy. Now that might change, but with his actions, McVeigh's actions, holding him out are only bolstering that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, John Lejoie was taco. <laughs> if anyone listening to thing. this has not seen the league, I really like it. I think Jason wandered off around the third season or something. But I will tell you, it's. That, I mean, the, it's got a great. Uh, it's an excellent show. You know, great pedigree. Nick Kroll, Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, Mark Duplass, all kinds of great uh, actors. It, in there. it was a great comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we need another one. So um, maybe there's a writer out there who's listening. Is that I wonder what to write? I don't. I don't know what to do. We I'm looking for ideas for TV, TV shows. Show. Yes, please. Fantasy football is a big enough market. We can. We can uh, um, have. A, it's a been six of years shows. since that show was on the air. Yeah. Yeah. So you're that, right. You're right. We are going to have to start explaining that reference to Batman Chalupa. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Um, and, and then let's move on to some overvalued guys. Okay, so the first guy that I really that really stuck out to me as overvalued is Ezekiel Elliott. His current ADP is seven overall, the RB seven. So again, right now, uh, when you look at that, it's just running backs stacking the top of the uh, draft, uh, as has been the case for the last several years, because running backs are very top heavy position. However. When you look at Ezekiel Elliott, he's averaged 330 touches per year over his first five years in the league. And over those five years, he's missed nine games. So if you want to weight the average touches, it's more like 370 per year. Um, so that's a huge load to put on one guy. I don't see it continuing to work out for him. He is talented. He is not Adrian Peterson. He cannot run like this for 10 years. Um, I don't want to draft Ezekiel Elliott. Unless he falls to the second round, even then I would consider guys like uh, Gibson in Washington or Mixon, as we talked about, Najee Harris in Pittsburgh. I would consider all those guys over Ezekiel Elliott based on like a second round pick. We'll I'm not see. saying I'm taking those three other guys in the first round. We just, there's other first round talent to take. We just saw today how there was uh, a little scare with Dak Prescott uh, doing an MRI over his shoulder, right? They, they were saying it's extremely oh, man. Uh, cautious. The Cowboys They're just being overly cautious. The Cowboys seem like they have a really good thing going on. Uh, CeeDee Lamb is, is uh, picked by many experts to be maybe like a top five wide receiver this year and see the Cowboys take off. I happen to agree with Jason that I think that uh, we need to temper expectations for the Cowboys in general. 
Um, but remember how the Cowboys looked at the beginning of last year with Dak Prescott, with CD, with Ezekiel. Yeah. Um, if they can carry that. But I agree. I mean, yeah, Prescott was like 500 yards and going nuts. But Oh, I know. I happened to have him in a league where, where I had to put him on IR. That was a sad day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how about Patrick Mahomes? What do you think about him? So, Patrick Mahomes... Is he overrated? No. He is the best quarterback in the league, and he's being drafted as the number one quarterback. The problem is that his ADP is number is 17 overall, which is a second-round pick, and that's not where you should be drafting quarterbacks. You know, If you take a quarterback that early, it's ridiculous. In the last two years, Mahomes finished 10th in 2019 and 4th in 2020. Mm-hmm. That is not the kind of production that you want out of a second-round quarterback. Now, would it change it at all if it was a Superflex league? Would you then be like, okay, well, This I... is not... Yes, Superflex, you take Patrick Mahomes at the beginning of the first round. Okay. That's fine. But a regular redraft league with one quarterback, he's being overdrafted, right? Correct. I would I would be perfectly fine with Patrick Mahomes first overall in a Superflex because that's the kind of league that values quarterbacks the way that the NFL values quarterbacks. And I think that... That is something that fantasy football should reflect more. The players that are the most important in the NFL should be the players that are most important in fantasy football. That's why I'm a big advocate of the Superflex style of a league. Um, That being said, we're talking about single quarterback leagues because that I think is still going to be the majority of leagues. And Patrick Mahomes in the second round, way too high. You're way better better off going with a... A second starting running back, assuming you already took one, or a top-notch wide receiver, because that's where like even the fifth wide receiver is going right now. Um, and then you wait at least several rounds to draft a quarterback. You can wait another two or three rounds and pick up Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray or Aaron Rodgers. And all of those guys had years just like Patrick Mahomes had last year, and you get them for a much better deal than Mahomes. Mahomes is just a big name. Let someone who is a Kansas City fan or a Fairweather fan, you know, overpay for Patrick Mahomes. You should identify every year there's guys like that that people are going to overpay for because of their name. Patrick Mahomes is the number one guy on that list right now. Yeah. Another guy who I didn't write up but I think is going to be overvalued is Michael Thomas. So right now, Michael Thomas' is ADP is 38. He's a WR13. I think that it's very possible that um, there is no clear quarterback in New Orleans this year. That they kind of cycle through um, both Winston and... um, Oh, my preseason brain is failing me. (laughs) Give me help here, Dave. Uh, Well, you're talking about the guy who was uh, uh, rated in two positions. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, if we have a dynasty commissioner or a commissioner, Taysom Hill, a commissioner of fantasy football podcast, he will certainly be brought up. Taysom Hill, Mr. Taysom Hill, I think might end up being the starter over Jameis Winston, or at least the primary guy, or they're going to cycle through him. I just don't see a, a scenario where Jameis Winston is just like the every down quarterback for the saints. And that's what they do. Um, so this is going to be really weird. I don't like, Michael Thomas. I don't even like uh, Elvin Kamara that much because of all of this. I, I happen to really like Kamara because I think Kamara will do better. You know, I, I this is a little crazy right now, and I should probably revise my rankings, but I currently have uh, uh, Michael Thomas in the 40s. 
for wide receiver. Yeah, so you would agree with me that he's being drafted too high. 100%. Now, Elvin Kamara's ADP is, is the fourth running back. Yeah, well... Are you there? I, I have uh, I have Kamara as the number six overall, uh, and in half PPR, I have him as number six. Okay. So, so slightly below uh, where he's, he's going. But I think he is going to get most of those passes, that uh, and not Thomas, because uh, I, I just... I just don't feel like... I feel like Taysom Hill is the goal line running back on the team. Yeah. We're, we're going to see. We don't even know yet, which is why things are in such flux. Preseason is going to matter a lot for the Saints. If you're drafting, hopefully you're drafting late or after the preseason ends so that you at least have something to speculate on when it comes to picking Saints players. I mean, it's possible. Uh, well, well, like Troy said, Thomas is on pup, so he's expected to miss September. That's why I have him so low. Um, oh, he, I was unaware of that. Yeah, like he because of the surgery that he that he had. Uh, he's, oh, that's right. He's not going to start right away. He pulled a Scotty Pippen. He waited till he was on team time to get his surgery. So when you talk about undervalued uh, or overvalued players, yes, like I don't think you should draft him at all personally because I don't know when he's going to get better. What will happen with the quarterback? It's all too speculative for me. Um, so so I think he's a good uh, a good put in in that particular category. Um, and I don't believe in Michael Thomas anymore without Drew Brees. Yeah. It would actually be better for Thomas if he went somewhere else. Oh, 100%. 100%. You don't want to be a top flight, used to be the number one wide receiver on a team that has rotating quarterbacks and yeah. like all this weird shit going on. I mean... like That's not good for your next contract. The, the worst two places that Michael Thomas could possibly be right now are the Saints and the Texans. <laughs> any other any other team any other team and he'd be doing all right <laughs> even like the broncos would yep. be fine yep uh so anybody else stick out to you as an overvalued player dave uh sure tons but but we should just move on to i think uh okay. uh, uh chatting about uh draft strategy in general um we have a couple more uh preseason shows before we're actually going to do um uh week one before week two, we start week previewing yet um, so we can touch on those guys when we have some more knowledge. But I hope that that everybody who's listening uh, live and then again later uh, via the podcast channels that we're on or YouTube uh, understands that the most important thing in drafting, at least in our perspectives, um, are to look at, like Jason said earlier, the ADP in which people are being drafted and then make sure that if that's someone that you think is is valued higher than that, that you draft above the ADP in order to lock up that player. Right. And there is no reason whatsoever that you should draft someone that you have ranked high uh, in a higher round if the ADP is lower. You should wait until the last possible moment to capture that player. And it, sometimes that can be very difficult. It's easier to do when you get to the middle rounds. Yeah. Like, if it's a guy like Joe Mixon in the second round, you know, you're not going to wait for him to fall to the third round. Yeah, you don't have a lot of flexibility when you only are picking in the, you know, the, if you're the drafting, first 20 picks. You know, 14th overall, you got to take him. You can't wait until he comes back around. But when you get to the middle rounds, that is an amazing strategy that people do not employ enough. Yeah, I mean, I used to go to drafts where people were just looking at the ESPN rankings, which is so funny to me. Right, they'd print out an ESPN ranking that's two weeks old. And then I would look up the ESPN rankings, compare it to my own rankings, and then just wait and right before everyone else drafted someone <laughs> 
and take that person. Yes. A round or two <laughs> after you would have been okay with drafting them anyways. But, and nowadays... Just like, to get that extra value. There's not one site that everybody goes to, but you could look at, uh, at average ADP and still do the same kind of thing. So. That's why Fantasy Pros is so great, because it does have that consensus ranking. I agree, and we are not being paid by them, but I, uh, I do participate in their rankings, uh, and I do uh, enjoy using the Dave service. Dave is one of the experts... One of, one of. So last year, I was, I think, number six overall uh, uh, in the pre-draft rankings, and I ended for, up... For 2020 or 2019? 2020. Okay. And, uh, or no, 2019. Yeah. And I ended... The 2020 rankings, are, are they out yet? I don't think so. And I ended up being, um, like, uh, this past year in-season rankings, something like number 37. This is out of, like, 150 or 200. Yeah. So we're still doing pretty well. Uh, and you can go to drink5.com to view the rankings. I haven't put up the um, the draft rankings yet. They are up on Fantasy Pros, but you'll be able to see my exact rankings on, on uh, drink5.com uh, probably tomorrow when I put them up on the site. Um, so so what do you want to end the, tonight's discussion with? So I just wanted to talk about drafts in general. Um, you know, kind of like how you like to approach going to a draft. Now we're talking about drafts in person Yeah. Uh, where you're going to... Um, you know, be in a group of your fellow uh, fantasy players, and everybody's gathered in one room to do a draft. So, you know, what what do you like to bring with you? Are you a laptop guy? Do you bring a magazine or a piece of paper? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Are you talking to me? I'm talking to you. No, I, I, I don't, don't see anybody else in here. I actually don't care. Since I already have my rankings all set up, Yeah. Um, Fantasy Pros allows you to, to go in and just cross them off live. Um, I've also just brought them in on a phone. I've brought them in on a tablet. It doesn't matter to me, but I'm a tech guy. So, so you wanted some sort of electronic... Um, yeah, list. I can easily make that happen on any device that I have. What I would recommend to anyone, whether it's on a spiral-bound notebook or uh, on a computer or in a tablet, is simply that you, you use something that allows you to cross off where the other people have drafted and that you tier your guys, that you put them in tiers. And I don't care how you do this, but for your own good, tier them You know, uh, for running backs, for quarterbacks, for tight ends. And for wide receivers, I don't I don't care as much about defense and kicker. Um, and just put, you know, these guys are in tier one. These guys are in tier two. These guys are in tier three. That really helps you if you're drafting and you look at your quarterbacks and you say, well, there's still six guys left in tier three. Yeah. So I'm going to move over to running back where there's only one guy left to secure Henderson, who's the last guy in uh, in tier three for running backs. Yeah. You know, so I that's what I recommend. And I think in a future show we should go more in depth on um, how, how to recommend splitting people up into tiers. Mm. I think that would be a good uh, topic to dive deeper into. Sure. Um, so is there anything you like to do to gain an edge on your competitors during a draft? Do you like to play mind games at all? Do you, you know, do you have any dirty tricks that you can share? Just Jameson. Jameson. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you're getting together with your with your buddies, uh, I think the best thing to do is uh, is is to have a really fun time and keep everybody loose, uh, and and sort of allow them to have too much fun where they're not concentrating as much as you are, and that's really the only way that I can say in a social gathering, uh, besides being better prepared than them to get an edge. Yeah. How, how about for you? I saw your Jameson tactic work. <laughs> 
two like exactly as planned one year. Your guys still have and to it do was, well. And it was brilliant, and I've seen it executed many times since. Uh, and I have to concur, that is a really good one. But really, I mean, the best thing to do is to be very well prepared yeah. so that you can just chit-chat, distract people, talk about random shit. Hey, have you seen uh, Black Widow? Have you done this or that? So that you can keep people, oh, keep people's focus away from the, uh, you know, the task at hand, while you are very well prepared and, and not so worried about, um, you know. Yeah, if you're already prepared, if you're you... the one sort of leading the distraction, then you're not being distracted. <laughs> well, it's not often that you go into a draft and and guys are just sitting there in folding chairs. You know, with headphones on, not paying attention to each other. Uh, that that is not the kind of thing that happens at fantasy football drafts. Fantasy football drafts are alive with uh, with spirits and, uh, and it's supposed to be a party, pomp and circumstance and party, right? That that's the point. So use that to your advantage. I, I totally dig it. Yep. Uh, and then if you're going to be hosting a draft, I've uh, hosted many a drafts. I, I got to recommend always be able to put the draft board up on a TV somewhere. Uh, or if you're going to do, um, some people still do the old school way where they buy a huge sheet, a big poster yeah. with all the picks and they have stickers to put them all up. That's fun because everybody has to go up and put their own or, or maybe you have a draft master. Or if you're an auction draft, you can do that. Um, so, so I always recommend that sort of thing. Um, have some sort of master board so that everybody can pay attention. Um, should people who don't attend be punished or otherwise disadvantaged? Oh, well, see, now we're starting to get into commissioner. Yeah. So I'd love to do a commissioner podcast. Uh, we're both commissioners of fantasy leagues, and that could be a fun thing. If anyone out there is interested in that, I don't know if there already are any. There's probably a couple commission podcasts out there. But we could do an episode. That could be fun. So if you have any questions, let us know. In, in my opinion, um, if, if someone can't attend a live uh, draft... Especially speaking um, um, of our friends, since we are all in our 30s uh, and, and 40s and generally are, are a little bit more stable in life, a lot of us have moved away from each other in the leagues that we're in. And we don't expect everyone to come back to one singular location for a draft every year. Right. So if you can't make it, then you need to at least, uh, at least in my opinion, uh, uh, either provide a, a, a person that can draft in proxy for you, a surrogate, or um, that works best, or or draft um, uh, remotely, but make sure that you are tuned in and not just like you know on the beach sipping margaritas. And and for all of you remote drafters, um, I as commissioner at least have sympathy for you because oftentimes. Um, the draft can get rowdy and be a, a, a jolly good time and someone else is sitting at home thousand miles away on their laptop all by themselves just waiting for all these drunken idiots to make their picks. So we, we do feel your pain. We understand. Um, and that may be all the punishment that you need uh, for, uh, for not attending. Um, but I, I would like to see a fun rule implemented some year for the people who say they will attend, but then bail at the last minute. Yeah, well, there's a lot of cool rules. Uh, one of the the 
the neat places that I like to go uh, on Reddit, there's a lot of subreddits for fantasy football, and uh, specifically, there actually are four commissioners, and I don't remember the exact uh, addresses for those subreddits, but I saw some really great um, punishments, and one that I just saw either on uh, the regular channel of r slash fantasy football or r slash dynasty ff. Uh, was uh, they they were they were contemplating uh, someone who did either did something wrong during the season or didn't show up or finished last, uh, having to go to like a twenty four hour diner with a with a blow up uh, date, and I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was very entertaining. There was one I heard of. You had to go to Waffle House, and for every waffle you had to go to Waffle House for twenty four hours. For every waffle you ate, you got to cut an hour off the time you were there. That's that's great. <laughs> well then if the guy like dies of a heart attack for eating too many waffles like did he have to sign some kind of liability then we name the trophy after him okay then we're good we're, yeah. e- we're even i mean then you you, you live forever <laughs> you do you live forever in infamy and uh it's it's bob waffle house smith from now on well, I, I look forward to, Jason, um, doing a weekly podcast during the season, which uh, which starts later in September. Um, but like I said, I think there'll be at least another podcast or two before then. Uh, so everybody keep your eyes peeled. September 9th, uh, the first game. September 12th, the first Sunday. We'll definitely try to do a better job of promoting these ahead of time so that you can interact live, so that you can ask questions or, or just laugh with us or tell us that we're horrible podcast host whatever you feel like doing really um we're gonna enjoy hey, it. any feedback is good feedback because it means you're listening that's right <laughs> that's right and uh like uh like troy said in the chat room uh looking forward to a more normal year which it seems like it will be this year there there could still be some twists and turns but there always are the nfl is determined to have a more normal year based on the rule yeah. that they have implemented saying if your team has a breakout among unvaccinated players, and it causes them to cancel a game, then you will forfeit that game. We will; they will not be rescheduling that game. Yeah, so you cert- will forfeit that game. None of the players on the team will get paid for that game. So that if that happens, that's going to be a big deal, and it will probably only happen once. If it happens more than once, there's going to be a riot. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see because that's that a goes. lot of lost. Re- a single football game is a ton of lost revenue for a lot of people, not just the players. Well, um, uh, why don't you close us off? Unless you have anything else to uh, to add? Yeah, I would say that we will probably aim for a couple of weeks from now to be back uh, to join you, fine folks, to talk about some more preseason stuff. Uh, if you have any questions that you want us to answer, email us Jason at Drink Five dot com or Dave at Drink Five dot com. Make sure that you subscribe to us on YouTube, you follow us on Twitter, just check out Drink 5 and you will find us all over the interwebs. Um, And thanks Dave, thanks for providing us some great music and uh, thanks to everybody in the chat room for uh, joining us live. Make sure to join us live on future episodes so that you can get instant feedback to all of your questions.